Welcome back to episode 2 of season 3 of the St. Colman's Podcast. In this episode, we interview the former Limerick hurler and fast pupil, Andrew Shocknessy. Andrew talks to the lads about his experiences in the army, playing hurling for County Limerick, and about his time in the school as a former pupil at St. Colman's College. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi Andrew, I'm Connor. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So tell me, what was your experience like in Colman's? Hi Connor, nice to see you again after the match yesterday. Um, experience in Coleman's it was fantastic. I, I did six years here, so like yourselves, I did transition year. Um, I totally enjoyed every moment of it. Bar I said the first two weeks when I was crying because I was a boarder and I missed home, so it was a, a big change for me from being used to being at home, my, my parents and my family being away on my own for a week at a time. But I, after the first two weeks, I thought Torlin helped me a bit to get involved with making friends and stuff, and I totally enjoyed it. And as I said, I still have lifelong friends from Coleman's. Hello Ronan, favourite teacher, hmm, he's had a lot of teachers now and you wouldn't know them, there's very few still there. Uh, favourite teacher I suppose, I'd an- I would do two answers though, my first one was obviously Dennis Ryan, he was my PE teacher, I didn't really count at the time because PE was PE was in there, but he was just PE, he was also the hurling coach there, so obviously it's great draw and respect for him, uh, fantastic, and then my other teacher then was a fair teacher would have been Ollie Ryan, but he's spending a year ahead of me in class, but he's my English people's history teacher, but he's just a math teacher from Anthony Grammar since he's passed, but he used to sit there for most of the last, and you actually generally listen to him and you listen to the word of his respect towards him, or and his math comments, which is just such a nice product, so he's definitely, but I'd say most teachers, like, like school always, say most teachers are, are so nice and approachable and they're all there to help you, so to get out a favourite is kind of unfair, but at the same time, a lot of them weren't quite good, and I still remember them fondly. Ooh, my favourite subject in school. Yeah, again, look, so I'm not going to say P, so I would have liked business. I went on to college and do, I did business studies in, in college, got my degree in that. So I like business, uh, would like English as well. Uh, my least favourite subject would have been depression that, so I wouldn't be fantastic at maths now. Uh, so that would be my least favourite because, as I said, I had five siblings and my father used to always say, Oh, honours maths, honours maths. Brian's the only man to do honours maths. Brian is a brother of mine. He did honours maths. And the rest, the other four of us, we all did past maths. But so maths would be my favourite. So, again, business would be my favourite. Yeah, it was a good match. It was exciting. <laughs> Again, but then like this group is what I've seen so far, and they're committed and they're honest, and 
Of course, yeah, so like I was growing up, Steve was a year ahead of me and then I was a hurl against him with he was playing for Waterford Miners, I was doing my minors, Waterford 21s, I was doing 21s, Waterford Seniors, I was doing my seniors, so we were a hurl all up along together and again I walked with him as well, so he was in the playing forces as well, so he was always a year ahead of me um, and looked up to him, he's a, an absolute gent, so yeah, he's two hearts medals, so he won it in 0-1 and 0-2 and then I, I obviously I won 3, so I won 0-1, 0-2 and 0-3. Uh, Steve has two Crow Cup medals for the All Ireland, so he won it in 0 1, 0 3, and I have two Crow Cup medals. So 0 1, 0 2, we lost in 0 3. Uh, the highlight at the time, I suppose it probably would have been so we were kind of a, a, a barren spell for a, a school like Coman's. So we hadn't won the Hearty in five to six years, I think it was 96 when they won it last by the time we came through. So uh, we get that, that first Hearty win in 0 1, um, just going to put them out, so it was kind of delayed for a while, and a lot of it was a lot of sort of anxiousness and stuff match played but to win that and again we beat the Flannans who was other powerhouse at the time so that was probably one of the highlights so yeah but in fairness I had a, like every match I played with Coleman's I, I consider a highlight but just always great success and great commitment and great honesty from everyone and just the whole all around the team was just a ball and easy league yesterday with the passion for the, the songs and then down the canteen beforehand and then the songs for the match as well so like it's a massive massive tradition Uh, yeah, I suppose I consider I did. Like, so, as I said, I'm five siblings, so my two brothers, my eldest brother would have played up all up along for Limerick, and he played Limerick seniors for a while, but then two maybe lacked commitment or he just hadn't the time to work. And then my other brother would have played underage as well to a certain extent. And then the two sisters played Camogie for Limerick, so like, we were always involved in GA. Um, so I grew up going to matches with my, with my brothers, watching my brothers play and watching my sisters play, and then sure, you go and you'll be fucking around yourself. And it's only natural that whether you want to or not, it's you pick up a hurley and just join in with the group, that, that whole family life and the whole, whole fi family dynamic you, you do what your older brother or sister do and you try to imitate them and, and copy them, so yeah, so I was influenced by them and we are, we have a good old tradition with the GM family. The best horror I've ever played against, <laughs> see again like there's, there's, that's so broad that you could have so many answers, so you could play against maybe like the Henry Stephan. I could play with him, but I didn't match him, so I, I wouldn't consider that. Uh, so best defender, maybe. Yeah, Jesus. Like, I'd always consider, like, I would have played against Jesus Lane and Tommy Walsh, and they're always excellent, and they're superb. They're both men of Ireland each of them. But the defender I'd consider, and the best defender I would have played against would have been a teammate of mine, Damien Ray. So he was very unlucky for us, but he would have won under 21 in Limerick and captain for Limerick in the 2007 All Ireland final. And he got nominated for signed for an all-star and it was always a time when Liam McGordon do well that was the standard how good he was he was getting nominated when he wasn't doing well so and he never actually got one but he was by far one of the hardest hurlers I've ever heard against him probably the best <laughs> because uh, will it be corny and saying getting married and having kids yeah uh, that's probably one of my biggest ones one of my, my proudest achievements uh, from a sporting perspective I suppose in essence like if you're looking back in your sporting career, you want to see what you won, and I always say that I was involved in a Munster final, I was involved in the Ireland final, I was involved in a yeah all the big finals that you want to be involved in, but uh, I never actually won anything. So 
in those things. But uh, my biggest achievement was uh, coming back. So whenever you hear people retiring from inter-county hurling, they always, the first thing you say is great to be after the club because the club is where you started, the club is where you finished, and that's true. So my biggest achievement as a player from a personal perspective probably winning the first county with Kamalak in 2010. Uh, so players I grew up with all along with and just some of my best friends as well and we'd never won we'd trying to win it for years and years and years and we're so 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 but to finally win that that was a, a massive achievement and the biggest was up there would the biggest thing around definitely yeah. so what made me join the army so my eldest brother as i said <coughs> so he was as i said he's ghost and then my seniors he was on the panel for 96 and they're going well but as i said work commitments he joined the army so he as i, as I said you you naturally do what <coughs> what your brothers, your peers, your brothers, your siblings do, your, your brothers or sisters, you try to imitate them. So he joined the army, he gave me guidance. So when I finished Coleman's, I looked at my options, I, I could have, and the biggest thing about, about this was that if you enter cadets, you do a very grueling 21 month training, but after that then you do one year when you qualify out in the army and then you're, you're sent to college and paid for, and that's absolutely no burden on your family whatsoever. So that's a massive advantage. So while the whole ethos of the army and the way they're energetic, they're all physical, hard, tough work. That kind of appealed to me. And it's quite similar to a GA team. You want to have a, a good involvement in the GA team, good atmosphere, good spirit. And that's exactly what the Defence Forces is. And that's one, that was the main attraction, I think. And what is my role there? Ooh. So I'm just back from overseas in Lebanon where I was a finance officer out there. Prior to that, I was based in Collins Barracks in Cork. I was an officer commanding there, so I was in charge of 150 people, so from men in their mid to late 50s to people 17, 18, just joined the army, so I was responsible for shaping their career and their career path and where they wanted to go and developing them as, not alone as soldiers, but, well, obviously, first and foremost, you develop them as soldiers, but you also develop them as, as an individual, make sure they're a nice person and they, they have a good conscience and they do the right thing, so that was my role there, and since I came back now, I'm based in combat support and I started up in the key barracks and the defence forces headquarters and then again that just it's the more or less the same role as the last one but instead of looking after my own unit I'm now looking after another next three people next to three units so that's upwards of six hundred people so I say monitor them and guide them and offer them support and assistance. Ooh. So like the training as I said twenty one month training is it's intense. So, again, you're literally away from your family. You've, you've no connection to your family. So, like, fair enough. I bored, and I said boarding was tough. And I was away for a week at a time, and I found the Monday, the, the nights tough the first two weeks. But that was fine for the two weeks, and you get over that. But with the army, so you arrive in, and you're away, you're away from your family for the first few months. You can't go home. Uh, that's tough. And it's often enough, the training is tough. Physically, it's very, very demanding. You're asking questions that you've never encountered before and you question yourself and your character and are you able to cut out with it and sometimes you feel you're not able to do it but you just have to really buy into the team ethic <coughs> and say look you have to be strong and not strong in the sense of carrying weight and doing the hard stuff strong in the sense of asking for support and you can't do something ask them to help you and they must then ask you of them so again that's probably the hardest part the, the training part of it but again I actually wouldn't change myself myself to the person and I think I was 16 or maybe just 17 and a half. No, 
I've got a 16 and a half or 17 uh, 12 and 2 <coughs> so like it's it's good you know when you have um, a native against Cork of all people Jesus um, I think Megan did against them over in Turles in 2002 I came on as a sub at number 26 I went over in the the team went over on a bus I was over in a, a car with the county board treasurer who lives over the road Um, wasn't expecting to come on but I came on with about 10 minutes ago uh, <coughs> we lost by a point Cork went down and won you don't think of it as a proud moment at the time. You just think about it as something to do, and you you always look to to play it smooth. But I always look to play it smooth around the minute. So I would have thought it's a natural progression, but that comes across to arrogance. I'm not too sure. But it, looking back, it was it is proud now. Like I, I think I'm the youngest younger player ever placed in your in the county hurling with any any team plans, and I played Red Cup the same year as well. So that was a, a big achievement as well. But you don't think it about about that when you're a player. Did I what? You mad? Of course I did, yeah, yeah. No, sure, I, I go to all the matches and, yeah, no, no, it was absolutely superb. And even so, the semi final against Cork, <coughs> we, were, we were eight points down, which, I'm not six points down, but eight minutes ago, and everyone was kind of giving out, you know, we've done this wrong, we're oh, the game's gone again. I was, for some, be- some reason, I just said, no, Mickey, left this game, and that was the semi final. I had almost doubt in, in that, like, and again, it came down to say when Mickey Quaid, when Seamus Hanley, Agri could have had the ball in the net, but Mickey Quay came out and stopped it. And then, how was in the margins there? And then for the final, it was always going to be like they had they made a great start, three goals, and then they let Galway back into it. But they held on. That's the most important thing because people were saying, "Oh, there's going to be another heartbreak because Limerick had that heartbreak in Tarlow, sorry, heartbreak in Tarlow in finals and heartbreak, but it wasn't. It was absolutely fantastic. And then you look at what they're after achieving since then, and it's you could argue then that if Cork had beaten Limerick in the semi-final, they could possibly be on a run that Limerick are on, but that sport is fickle and but it's good when it's on your side and you have to enjoy these moments. Um, I'm kind of risk averse, like I, I don't really take risks and, well I, I do, like, but I, I wouldn't consider them risks, so same when you make any decision, <coughs> you have to weigh up the options of what, what's the the good side of it what's the downside of it and like if, if you're taking ridiculous risk you're going to get this downside if you're taking a chance constantly you're going to get the downside of it but uh yeah no i'd, I'd weigh up any situation so any decision you have to make i weigh up what is good and, and if you have a thought process then what's the right thing to do what is good for everyone so you don't make a decision based on yourself because that's very selfish so if you're making a, a decision so you're saying you're making for a team a sport or a team a work you're saying what is good for the collective not as work what is good for myself so <coughs> I'm happy to say I didn't actually, I haven't made too many bad decisions. I'd be, uh, I'd be happy enough that um, I'm, <laughs> I'm good making decisions at the time when I, when I have to and no no real bad decision yet. Yet. Inspiration, again, it's going to be all based on sport, like to, to be honest. Um, so if I mention inspiration growing up, you won't know him. So that's the thing. Um, from a hurling perspective, I, I admire DJ Carey. My idol run up that um, he was always support when I looked up to I thought he had fantastic skill he played in a bi- position that, that I was trying to play in so I admired him he, he just not even the scoring he got but the work he gave and it, it all comes down to that if you don't work hard at anything in life whether sport or your education or your family life you're not going to be successful so I always thought he worked hard and he displayed the characteristics I'd like to see in myself last question a confidential counsellor what are three things you would tell your 15 year old self 
treating me and fixing your old self. Uh, don't be too hard on yourself because, like, especially in sport, if you, if you listen to critics and you start doubting yourself, it's ba- bad enough. Like, but there's a, you have plenty of people out there that have been looking at it, even take yes, there's other people, plenty of people looking in there that you know that all of a sudden players oh, didn't do that, didn't do this. But if you're going to say, if you're going to buy in behind that and say, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, you're, you're at a, on a negative straight away, so you have to be as positive as possible. So don't be as hard on yourself because you'll find other people are going to be just as hard and even harder. So don't be hard on yourself because you have to support yourself, you have to trust yourself. Uh, treating yourself one. Right, treating is a tough one, Connor. Mm. Uh, yeah, I suppose educate yourself as much as possible. So don't say barriers to yourself. So don't say I'm not going to college. Don't say when you get to college I'm not I'm finished with, with education. Constantly try to improve, whether it's going to do a master's or a doctorate. Or any sort of course that'll give you an advantage—not an advantage, just give you an extra skill set that you can use and be benefit. Do that. Thanks a lot to Andrew for the great interview. Make sure to tune in next week for episode three. <laughs>